I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. We are less than 24 hours away from the North London derby. Spurs visit Arsenal Saturday lunchtime kickoff. And this is a big, big game, given how close the two sides are in the Premier League, given that both sides pretty much have the same aspiration in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. Spurs achieved it last season. Arsenal just about missed out. So there's plenty uh, that we need to settle the score for. So really, really looking forward to this game. Well, I was looking forward to this game, but the closer we get to it, the more nervous I feel. Um, the more stressful it all becomes, you know, the more scary it becomes. You know, Sky News is popping off and you're wondering what that is. You're wondering if there's going to be a notification of an injury. Um, we're going to talk all things North London Derby today. We're going to be looking ahead to the game. We're going to be discussing our feelings around it in the build-up. We'll be looking at some of the comments from Mikel Arteta's press conference, which just finished at the time of recording. We'll also look at the recent history of this fixture. I'll share with you guys the lineup I'd go with. And I want to talk a little bit about the tactical battle between these two and what I'm expecting to see from both sides in terms of their setup and in terms of their approach to this fixture. Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat. Thank you all so, so much uh, for being with us today. I know the time is a little bit out of sync with what we normally do, um, but that is because I wanted to wait until Mikel Arteta's press conference was done. Um, I always feel like if you do a preview show pre the press conference, there's a chance that you're going to miss something key, something significant. And um, and I didn't want to do that. So that's why we delayed the show uh, by about an hour or so, uh, just to make sure that we get all bases covered. Let's say a few hellos, though, before we dive into the chat. Big hello to Graham, who says uh, it's all set up for us to stuff them 4-0. Regardless, I shall be watching the match from behind the sofa. Big hello to Matt, who says hit the like button. Yes, please do. If you haven't done so already, big hello to Ben. Uh, Henke Ho says, hi, Harry, let's get to it. Arsenal will smash Tottenham 3-0. Easy game and no yellow for Jesus so that he's ready for Liverpool. Uh, Tezzy May says, less than 24 hours. I feel sick. Uh, Sam Rodman says, hey, Harry, let's show the world that North London is red. Uh, Tom says, come on, Harry. Yep, in, in response to me being a little bit later than advertised, as is always the case. Big hello to Owen, who says, afternoon, all shitting it now. You and me both, my friend. Uh, big hello to James, uh, to Ben, to Steve, to the Fort Lauderdale Guna. Uh, Mr. Craig, who says, Harry, my friend, hope all is well. 7.30 a.m. kickoff. Gotta love it. Come on, you gunners. Barbecue at your place after our victory. I wish I'm off to a christening tomorrow, uh, so I won't be um, I won't be uh, around to do a barbecue, which is sad. But I am going to a christening, which is being hosted essentially by Spurs fans. So this could go one way or the other. I'm either going to turn up there with the biggest smile on my face, very smug and sort of take it all in. Or I'm going to go there and sit in the corner and hide and not talk to anyone. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out tomorrow. Uh, what else have we got? Um Essential Departure says, uh, need a pre-North London Derby mindfulness session. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it does feel that way. Big hello to Abdi, uh, to UK Random 78 How you doing, man? Uh, to Ron and to Stuart Nicholson. Thank you so much for your very kind donation. He says, yes, Harry, got you live for once from Perth, Australia. Let's do what the women did and smash these imposters to North London. Come on, you gunners. Love it. 
Love it. Just a quick reminder, uh, if you haven't seen the messages over the last few days, the Chronicles of Aguna Premium has moved over uh, to another platform. Another Slice uh, is the name of the game. If you head over to anotherslice.com slash Chronicles of Aguna, you'll find yourself on this page. If you use the option right at the top of the page, you can create an account on the website. Once you've done that and signed up and subscribed to the Chronicles of Aguna, you'll receive access to our premium content, which you can get either via their website or via their app. Now, the sign-up process and the subscription process to the Chronicles of Aguna. To be clear, there are instructions in the description, but it has to happen on the website. Then you can go and download the app and log into the app and access everything at your fingertips. I know there have been a couple of teething problems with that transition uh, for a couple of people. They've been great as an app in terms of getting them sorted for me uh, really, really quickly. They're a new platform as well, so they expected that this might happen at some point. But as I've said to you guys before, it gives me the opportunity, um, if you support via another slice, to, uh, of course, create more content, to create better content, to hire in people that I need. And also, uh, we get to make that donation, as I've mentioned, to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, which we're going to be doing on a monthly basis. And I'm going to be matching that personally as well uh, from my own pocket. So, um, you know, want to do a good thing with it as well. If you are a YouTube member, we're going to leave the YouTube memberships on for a while because I, I was planning initially to leave it for about 30 days. But I know a few people have had some issues switching over. So I just want to make sure, although there's only been one or two issues and, and they have been resolved pretty quickly, I just want to make sure that everybody's happy. So if you are a YouTube member and you want to stay as a YouTube member for a while, it will be switched off eventually. But for the time being, I'm going to leave it there. Um just so that, you know, we can manage that transition. But there will be an exclusive premium bit of content on the Another Slice app tomorrow. So if you want to get access to that, try and make the change if you can. Uh, I'll be bringing you uh, some uh, reflection from the game uh, at Emirates Stadium in audio format, but it will be a good 15, 20-minute session where I'll be uh, reeling off some of my thoughts and some player ratings hot off the press. So, yeah, uh, the link is in the description below. If you've got any questions, any thoughts, then please do let me know, and I'll be more than happy to respond, more than happy to help. You can catch me on email at chroniclesafc at gmail.com, or you can DM me on whatever social media platform you prefer. Okay, let's turn our attention to what really matters, and that is the North London derby. As I mentioned, Mikel Arteta has just finished giving his pre-match uh, press conference. Um, and obviously, the thing that we were kind of waiting on and the thing that we as fans were sort of a little bit nervous about was what he was going to say with regards to some of the injury doubts. Now, we know that Thomas Partey returned from international duty early. We know that Kieran Tierney uh, had an issue while away. We know that Martin Odegaard missed Brentford, but then went on international duty with Norway and ended up playing some games. I was nervous going into this press conference, but at the same time, when it comes to Mikel Arteta's press conferences, I think you've always got to take things with a pinch of salt because he's been very reluctant so far, particularly more recently, to give away any team news. He doesn't want to do it. So he was asked about Partey, Zinchenko, Odegaard, and he said, look, we got some of the boys back uh, yesterday. So today was a, you know, they just finished the last training session. He says everybody looks in good condition. What does that mean? Doesn't mean that everybody's in good enough condition to start the game. Uh, there was another journalist who followed that question on in the press conference a little bit later and said, can I confirm then, 
off the back of what Arteta had said regarding them being in good condition, he said, can I confirm that Partey, Kieran Tierney and Zinchenko are in the squad? And Mikel Arteta cracked a bit of a smile and said, they are part of the team. So, again, re-emphasizing my point, Mikel Arteta does not want to give anything away. So it makes it really difficult to do these preview shows because you don't really know who's fit, who's not, what sort of condition they're in. And, you know, you could sort of sit down and think this is the best plan of action only to turn up on the day and then see that we're without some key components and some key players. It's really, I think, stressful as an Arsenal fan at the moment because although we've added depth, there are still a couple of positions. For me, the main one is in the centre of midfield that I look at. And I think if we're without Thomas Partey, we're so much weaker. I said yesterday on 90 Min, and, and I meant this, I think we're a we're 20% a better team when Thomas Partey's in the side than we are without him. That's not to say we're a bad side without him and we're not capable of winning without him, but he just adds so, so much. And I'm going to talk a little bit later on about the tactical battle and the importance of the player that plays in that role in this particular game against this particular opponent. What we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the recent history uh, of this fixture. I'm going to share a page for those of you watching us uh, on video. Where is it? Um, there we go. Uh, from the Premier League's website. Uh, so Arsenal against Spurs head-to-head. They've played 60 times in the Premier League. The Gunners have won 22 of those clashes. Spurs have won 15 and there have been 23 draws. But if you look at the recent meetings between the two, this is where it's interesting. If you look at it, the home side tends to come out on top. Spurs beat us 3-0 at their place at the back end of last season. We beat them 3-1 at the Emirates. If you go back to the season um, prior to that, Arsenal won 2-1 at Emirates Stadium. If you go back even further, Spurs had beaten us in the two times that we'd gone there. So it is very much nowadays a fixture that favours the home side. And that shows that there is very little in it between the two sides. I think what you've got is two sides who are neck and neck in a lot of ways. I think both have very, very good players. Both have good managers. I would say that, that one's got a more experienced manager and maybe a manager who probably is a little bit, I don't know what the word is, um, more ripe, maybe is a little bit calmer. Maybe calm is not the right word to describe Antonio Conte, but what I mean is that maybe in the big moments, he's a little bit more cool in terms of the decisions that he makes. And what I mean by that is, I, I've, I've made reference to this quite a bit over the past week. We went to Old Trafford, we dr dragged ourselves back into the game. Um, you know, despite playing all of the football and then having a goal ruled out and then going behind, that can really sort of hurt your confidence. And Arsenal managed to, to continue playing the way they were, kept plugging away, found that equaliser. And then at that point, I felt that Arsenal had to go, OK, look, it's not been our day. OK, we've played brilliantly. We've not been in front. We had a goal ruled out. We ended up going behind. Let's just make sure, having got ourselves back on level terms, that we do not throw this away, that we at least make that journey back to London with a point in the bag. And we didn't do that because I think we were a little bit too emotional. I think we were desperate to win the game. This isn't, you know, this wasn't a game at the end of May where you're chasing something and you need all three points and really one point is not going to make an awful lot of difference. This was an opportunity to say to everybody, yeah, Arsenal can go to the likes of Old Trafford and get results. Arsenal can play the rest of the big six 
uh, on their own patches and get results. And we didn't do that. So that was my big frustration that day. And my worry when it comes to Arteta and Conte is that it's not that Conte's system is better. It's not that his football's better. It's not that their players are better. It's that Antonio Conte has been in this position a million and one times and will probably understand quicker when it's time to kind of just take your foot off the, I don't want to say take your foot off the gas, but accept what you've got. And I worry that if we don't find an early breakthrough against Spurs, if we don't start the way we want to, which is fast, quick, strong, uh, intense, I worry that if we got to sort of 65, 70 minutes and it was goalless, I worry that somebody like Mikel Arteta, who's desperate to win, who thinks that he has a responsibility to go out there and and take the games, people, I think he might open us up just a touch too much. And that would make us even more susceptible to Tottenham's biggest strength, which in my opinion is counter-attacking. So I, I just want him to show a bit of maturity as a manager, if that is the way the game pans out. And yeah, take risks to a point, try and win the game. Of course, that's first and foremost your priority, but not at the expense of losing it cheaply. So that's my sort of worry going into this game and where I'm a little bit concerned. If you look at the seasons that both of these sides have had so far, um, as I mentioned, positive starts for both, although the Gunners going into this weekend sit at the top of the table. We've lost once in our last five. That was that trip, of course, to Manchester United. Spurs uh, have won four of their last five too, and there was a draw away at West Ham in there as well. But if you look at the season so far, overall, Arsenal sit in first position. Spurs are in third. The Gunners have won six. Tottenham have won five. We've drawn none. They've drawn two. We've lost one. They've lost none. Average goal score per match. Tottenham are on 2.57, Arsenal 2.43. But that's been heavily boosted by the fact that they absolutely thumped Leicester uh, the other week by, I think they scored six that day, uh, which has obviously helped that average uh, dramatically. If you look at average goals conceded per match, it's about one each. Clean sheets, Arsenal have got three, Spurs have got two. Arsenal creating more chances per match now, according to the Premier League, which is obviously a positive um, and so, yeah, that's that's where we are statistically so far this season in terms of top players. Uh, Harry Kane's got six goals in the Premier League. Gabriel Jesus has four. He's in second place. And Gabriel Martinelli has three in third in terms of assists. Bukayo Saka leads the way. And then in second place, it's a joint effort. Gabriel Jesus and Dejan Kulusevski. So those are the stats. That is the story so far from a statistical standpoint. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the tactical battle, but before we do that, I have to share with you guys the lineup that I would go with. Now, this is, of course, assuming that the players we think are fit are actually fit, okay? So this would obviously change in the event that someone I've included in this is unavailable and not ready, not fit to start the game. But I think you can pretty much predict the 11 that I've gone with. So I've gone with Ramsdale, in goal. Uh, I've gone with a back four of White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney. Now, the reason I've gone with Tierney is because obviously there are fitness doubts over Zinchenko. Um, you know, I don't really know an awful lot about Zinchenko's situation and that's because Arsenal have been so coy about it all. Um, but I just think although Tierney picked up a bit of a knock, I think it was a facial injury in midweek playing for, for Scotland, defensively he's been quite good lately. 
And I know that he doesn't always step into the midfield as well as Zinchenko does. And I know that there are differences in his game. Um, I think, you know, Ash says in the chat that the big call, it seems this weekend, is whether you go with Kieran Tierney or Zinchenko. What are the drawbacks and benefits of both? So I'll, I'll get into that a little bit now. So for me, Tierney as a defender is better. Like, I don't really know how to say that in any other way. Like, there's no point in complicating it. The guy is a left back. He's a full back. He is a defender first and foremost and always has been. Whereas Alexander Zinchenko, whilst he's very capable of playing that role and he's very good at stepping into midfield and contributing in that sense, he hasn't always been a full back. OK, so it doesn't, defending, I mean, doesn't come as naturally to Zinchenko uh, as it does to Kieran Tierney. And I do think that we need to have a bit of balance here. Like Tottenham, I don't expect will have an awful lot of possession. I think they will drop off. I think they will sit back. I think they'll look to close the spaces in between the lines in particular and make it difficult for Arsenal to pull them apart. But that doesn't mean they won't have any possession. And when they do have possession, we know that they can go very quickly from back to front. And we know that they've got the likes of Richarlison, who's probably going to start the game, given Kulusevski's a doubt. Hyun Son on the other side. Harry Kane dropping into those pockets. In one-on-one -on -one defensive situations, I'd rather have Kieran Tierney there than Alexander Zinchenko. So that's my sort of way of thinking. Of course, Zinchenko helps in the build-up. Of course, he's better in the build-up. But I just think that Tierney's been in the side. I thought he defended very well at Brentford. And I think that he should stay in the team as a result of that. Plus, I don't know what Zinchenko's fitness situation is like. So I can't put my hand on my heart and say, yeah, Zinni in front. Um, in midfield, I've gone with Xhaka, Partey and Odegaard. Again, that's assuming uh, that, of course, Thomas Partey is fit and ready. If he's not, then I think you just got to do it um, simply and you've just got to put... Sambi Lakonga in there. I don't think you should be messing around with this player and taking Xhaka out of his position to put him in there or pushing Ben White into midfield and putting Tommy Asu at right back. I don't think you need to stir the pot that much. I think you just bring Lakonga in and you just be mindful of that and you give him the protection that he will need that maybe you can get away without affording to Thomas Partey, who is at a higher level. But that would be my midfield three, uh, as you are Xhaka, Partey and Odegaard, who I hope... Uh, will be fit enough to come back into the starting eleven, having missed out, of course, at Brentford before the international break. On either flank, it will be Martinelli and Saka. Um, both of them have been uh, lively this season. I don't think Saka's hit fifth gear yet. I still think there's more to come from him. Uh, but he's, as I mentioned already, he's got four assists on the board in the Premier League, which is pretty damn good. So, um, you know, his impact is is undeniable. His uh, his influence is undeniable. Martinelli has been getting on the score sheet. He's been creating things. Has linked up superbly with Gabriel Jesus. I think he'll pin Spurs' wing-backs back because of his ability to sort of bring the ball down out of the air and, and run at people. I think he's great at getting into those half spaces and, and causing problems and pulling the back three apart. I think he'll be a great asset to us. And then, of course, Gabriel Jesus will lead the line. Now, interestingly, of course, if Jesus picks up a yellow card in this game, it will be his fifth of the Premier League season so far, which means he will then miss the game against Liverpool next weekend. That would be bloody disappointing, wouldn't it? Um, but you know what? You can't be obsessed by that. You can't overthink that now. You just have to focus on the game. You have to focus on him playing his game 
And if he gets a yellow card, well, we'll have to worry about that next week. I don't want it to be something that plays on his mind. I don't want him to be less aggressive in the press as a consequence of that. I don't want him to change his game in any way, shape or form. But it is something that, you know, it's it's not ideal, is it? It's not an ideal situation. So that's my Arsenal team uh, to play against Spurs. That's the side that I would select. We're going to take a very, very, very short pause. So don't go anywhere. And then uh, we are going to uh, we're going to talk about the tactical battle I expect to see play out between these two sides. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Network. It's Arsenal versus Spurs in the North London derby. Let's uh, start our tactical breakdown. OK, so one of the most important areas on the pitch for me is is not is not in the You know, people always talk about that old cliche, you know, this game will be won or lost in the midfield. And yeah, of course. You know, the midfield is is something that is is crucial. It's key. It's a, a key area of the park. I'm just sort of moving the players, for those of you that are watching this on video, into uh, something more like the positions I expect them to get into once the game starts. I do think Tottenham will play predominantly with a back five most of the time. I do think that whoever plays in the wide positions is going to have to drop back as well to support their midfield too, because I expect that with Ben White stepping in, uh, with Tierney potentially sticking in, with Xhaka Partey and Odegaard in there, that'll be an area that Arsenal look to dominate. The problem is now is that does somebody like Ben White, for example, if he plays at right back, does he think twice about stepping into the midfield knowing the threat of somebody like Hyunmin Son is on the outside of him? I think it's very different to when you're playing at Brentford with all due respect. So I think there will be a bit of that. But what Arsenal have tended to do is they've tended to push those fullbacks inside closer to Thomas Partey and then squeeze Gabriel and Saliba up close to them as well and almost create this sort of back five in a slightly off-key shape um, to sort of then move up as a unit and squeeze our opponent into the other half. And one of the good things about it and one of the things that's worked for us is that when opponents do drop the ball into those sort of wide channels, which I'll just... Uh, highlight now if I can. So I'm talking about these types of areas here, uh, both on the right and left. When our opponents look at dropping balls in there for their wingers to run onto, even if Tierney and White, the left and right backs, have uh, pushed that little bit further up the pitch, we've now got centre-halves with the pace and the ability to get back into those areas. They've got time to watch the ball come over the top and they've got the pace to then get into those positions and hopefully confront the player, hopefully deal with it in time. That then allows the likes of White and the likes of Tierney to tuck back inside. And in the meantime, the midfield can get back too. So I think that, you know, we won't be too worried about those direct balls from deep because I think the direct balls from deep are balls that as a centre-back, you tend, you have time to see, don't you? You have time to watch them come over. You have time to read them. And as a consequence of that, you can normally, if you've got enough pace, which both of these two guys do, if you've got that mobility, normally you can get across and you can deal uh, with those situations. What I am fearful for uh, or fearful of is is Tottenham using the, the uh, I nearly called it the half space. That's not what I meant to say. Is Tottenham using the space in between the lines? Now, I talk about the space in between the lines with this Arsenal side being smaller than it ever was. And when I'm talking about in between the lines, I'm talking about here. 
I'm not talking about from an offensive standpoint. I'm talking about from a defensive standpoint. Arsenal have done a lot of work under Mikel Arteta to close that gap between the defence and the midfield to make sure that those pockets that creative players like to drop into are very, very limited. And we've done a superb job of that, a much better job of that. And we do an even better job of that when Thomas Partey's in the side rather than anybody else. Why? Because not only is he physically imposing, not only is he uh, incredibly good at progressing the ball and, and doing all those other things. He's got a great understanding of the game and reading of the game. And he tends to be able to cut out passes into those areas. And when they do bypass them past him, he's very good at then getting back and helping the centre-backs to deal with the situation, as is Xhaka, as are all the rest of them. So, But this space here is my worry. And the player that I'm highlighting here would be, in Spurs colours, Harry Kane. Because I think Harry Kane is someone who particularly in the last couple of seasons, has really thrived operating in that type of area. He likes to get on the ball. We've seen him do it so often, drop into those deeper positions, pick the ball up, turn, um, play balls in behind, look for the runners that are making runs beyond him. That's what Son does. That's why him and Son have combined so brilliantly over the years. It's what Richarlison will do as well. So I think it's really important that we cut off the supply to Harry Kane's feet. You want to put balls into the air, Long balls up towards Harry Kane. Do it. Gabriel and Saliba, I back them to give him a good battle in that department. But we've got to cut that service into Harry Kane's feet from which he can get on the ball and open us up. You know, when he first broke onto the scene, Harry Kane, I don't think anybody had him down as a creator, but he's certainly sort of developed in that sense. And he's got really, really good at it. And it's a really, really effective weapon for this Tottenham Hotspur side. So cutting off the supply to him, I think, is really, really important. Now, we we did that. Um, we did that, or we tried to do that in the game that we played um, at White Hart Lane at the back end of last season. Unfortunately, we didn't have Thomas Partey. Hopefully we do tomorrow. But if I think back to that game, I remember watching it in the early stages and thinking Mohamed Elneny is, is the one that's been tasked with doing this. And obviously, it's a downgrade on Partey. So hopefully if Partey is in the side, we'll be more successful at dealing with that because it's it's for me it's it's Spurs's only real outlet you know they they might try and send balls into those wide channels to get out because Arsenal are going to press Arsenal are going to be aggressive Arsenal are going to start the game on the front foot I'm I'm confident of that but you know playing long aimless balls and just hoping that their defenders can win the battle when we've got sufficient cover between our players. Uh, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I'm kind of comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with allowing Harry Kane to drop into pockets of space, get on the ball, turn and potentially open us up. So I think that's the most important area um, from a defensive standpoint, from an Arsenal point of view. And it's an area that we have to protect all the time, even if we are uh, going to go and, uh, and and you know, push up the pitch. We've always got to be mindful of that threat. Equally, the half space on the other side is really important too. Tottenham have done a good job under Antonio Conte of using Hoybjerg and Benton Core normally to protect that space. But if you can infiltrate that space with Jesus, with Martinelli, with Xhaka uh, getting up the pitch, with Odegaard and with Saka, all of a sudden you got a five on five and anything can happen. So, I think it's just as important that we expose uh, that space in between the lines as we do protect it at the other end of the pitch. That, for me, those two areas are where this game's going to be won and lost. Not in the heart of the midfield, not in the traditional midfield, as people like to call it. You know, people always say 
the midfield battle, this and that. It's slightly different because this is going to be tactically fascinating. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a game of chicken from a tactical standpoint. Now, that might make no sense to you. You might be thinking, what the hell is he on about? But the point I'm trying to make is that if Arsenal 100% carry out their game plan, their style, their philosophy of pressing high up the pitch, being really aggressive, trying to make the most of that space in between the lines, always on the front foot. If they carry that out 100%, they leave themselves susceptible. Susceptible to what it is that Tottenham are good at. And that is counter-attacks, that is breaking away. But if Tottenham go 100% their way, i.e. sit deep for the entire time, and only look to break forward when those opportunities present themselves, then they run the risk as well. They run the risk of being overwhelmed and, you know, and, and almost swamped by an Arsenal side that are really busy in the final third, that are really effective in the final third at the moment, that will be playing with an intensity, with a fight, with a passion at home. I think all of these things, um, you know, play a big part. So when I say it's a game of chicken, it's which manager will stick to his guns more? Which manager is going to make the first move in terms of letting up on what they've done traditionally? Which manager is going to make a change in order to try and counteract what his opponent is going to do first? I think it's fascinating to see how this is going to play out. It's a clash of styles. It really, really is. And uh, and time will tell who the winners uh, will be, if anybody. Would you take a draw from this game? Like, I wouldn't take it now. If you offered it to me now, I wouldn't take it. Somebody asked me this question yesterday. And the reason is because we're at home. But if we were going away from home, I'd take the draw before a ball's kicked. I just think we're going to be at home. The fans are going to be up for it. The atmosphere is going to be cracking. And I think that Arsenal should have the edge in this one. But it's not going to be easy. They are a real threat. They do have a lot of players that can cause us problems. As I say, though, I think if we can, if we can carry out our game, you know, I'm not going to say 100% because, again, I think that leaves us too susceptible, the point I was making. If we can carry out what we want to do to 75 80%, but just being mindful of those threats that they pose, I think we'll be all right. I think we'll have enough. I really, really do. I look at that Spurs team and I think defensively it's solid, but it's because it's solid as a unit, not because of the individuals. I don't look at their back line and think that's a world-class back line. I think there are a lot of players in there that are disappointing. I think that Spurs' performances for the most part in the Premier League have been, I don't want to say bad because that's probably unfair, but I want to say at least underwhelming. Arsenal, however, will feel that they're the ones in better form. They'll feel that they're the ones who have managed to find a consistent level of performance week in, week out. Even in the game that we got beat at Old Trafford, the consistency around the performance and what we'd done previously and what we went on to do at Brentford was there. So I think Arsenal fans should take great encouragement from that. In terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for a narrow Arsenal win. I'm going to go for 2-1 to the Arsenal. I went 1-0 yesterday. Uh, but the more I think about this, the more I think we may get caught out. I just think nowadays we've got the firepower to score. Whereas in the last couple of seasons, at times you'd question whether we could create enough chances, whether when we did create them, we had the players to finish them. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Arsenal win. Let's take also some of your questions from the live chat box as well. Uh, so please do start popping them in. Remember, if you want to access the Chronicles of Aguna Premium, the instructions are in the description below. And there will be a piece of content dropping on the Another Slice platform 
tomorrow uh, post-match. So uh, looking forward uh, to sharing that with you guys. A big thank you to Abdi as well, who's just uh, signed up to the channel. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really do appreciate the love, appreciate the support as well. Um, right, we'll take some of your questions in just a second. In fact, let's check in where we are in terms of likes, first of all, because there are a fair few um, of you uh, watching. Only 49 likes on the board, though. It's not really where we want to be. Come on, lift up the likes. Uh, leave your thoughts in the comments if you're watching this on playback. Get involved. Um, tell us how you're feeling ahead of North London Derby Day tomorrow. Okay, let's take um, let's take some of your questions. Uh, Ash says, uh, gut feel as to whether you think Spurs will play two or three in midfield. And what would you prefer? I'd imagine they're going to play the two. I think it will be Bentoncourt and Hoybieg. Uh, with a view to them protecting that back line, as they have done for the majority of this season. I actually don't mind if they play with a three, because if they play with a three, that takes one of their attacking options away. And that means that we don't have to be as concerned about them on the break. You know, you're only worrying then maybe about one flank as opposed to both. So I think there are good and bad sides to that. But the reason I say that is because even if they do play with a three, if Partey, Xhaka and Odegaard are all at it, I've got confidence that those three can dominate that midfield. There's technical ability there. There's strength. There's there's pressing ability. There's there's intensity. There's everything um, in that midfield. I think that's our most balanced midfield. I think it's a great midfield when everybody's fit and firing. So um, I wouldn't be too fussed with what Spurs do, uh, but I'd imagine they're going to stick to the formation and system that's worked for them. And that is a back five when without the ball, and then it moves into sort of a three with the two wing backs when they've got possession. And then they move into that midfield to support those two there. Uh, Chris Bryce says, uh, I would start Tommy over White. Tommy has pocketed Son before he could do it again. I don't have any questions about how good Tommy Asu is. I think he's very, very good. But I just think Ben White has a little bit more when stepping into the midfield because I think technically he's a better footballer. I really, really do. I know people bang on about Tommy Asu being two-footed and all that. And that is a, a good thing, obviously. But I just think Ben White has really added something to our game when stepping into that midfield. And the runs he makes on the outside of Saka have been really good of late. And I just think, I don't know, he's got a bit more composure and a bit more, uh, what's the word, end product when he gets into those areas, then Tommy Asu. Also, Ben White's done absolutely nothing wrong. So why you would take him out, you know, is something I'd struggle with. And I think that you you almost have to, when people are playing well, you have to pick your team on merit, right? You, you know, you don't reward someone who played well by taking him out of the side, essentially. Uh, Raphael Lim says, hi, Harry, as always, great analysis. Thank you so much, mate. Says Arsenal should consider hiring your expertise as part of its coaching team. I wish, I wish. <laughs> uh, Yusuf says, if you lose, are you going to do the next stream in a Spurs top? You'll see me dead before you see me on a stream in a Spurs top. We're in a Spurs top, full stop. Uh, Khalid says, most of the big games we've won, we've had Partey and Elneny in the middle. Should we do that or maybe only implement that in away games? Yeah, I think away games, I can understand it. Although I still don't think Mikel Arteta would do it. He didn't do it at Old Trafford, try and make the midfield, um, you know, a little bit more solid. I think he knows that, you know, or his ideology is around dominating the game and squeezing people into their own half. And I think 
he'd rather stick with with what plan A is wherever possible. I don't think at home against Spurs, who are not superior to us, in my opinion, I, I don't think you need to be that drastic. If you're going away to the Bernabeu, if you're going away to Manchester City, maybe you can revisit that. But I don't think this is a game to sort of shake it up. I think you do what you do. You do the tried and tested. You you continue in the way you've been going and you you look to to back yourselves to, to get the result that you need. Uh, Rael says, Harry, what weak links should we target against Spurs? In my opinion, Emerson Royale with cheese is ripe for a Martinelli burning. Yeah, I mean, you know, these are players that you want to isolate. I've said it already. I don't think individually that Tottenham defence, with the exception of Romero, who I think is fantastic, I don't think they're all that good. So if I were a forward, I'd want to isolate them as much as possible. I'd want to get at them. Martinelli is never afraid to take players on. I want to see Bukayo Saka doing it on the other side as well. You know, if they do play with Ivan Perisic, can he keep up with Bukayo Saka for an entire 90 minutes? I don't think so. So, yeah, you want to isolate these people. You want to make individual battles. And then it's down to each individual player to go out there and win that individual battle. And if they do, then, you know, you're in you're in a great position. Thanks for your kind words, uh, Yusuf. Really appreciate it. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Steve sort of referencing what I was saying about maybe getting caught on the break and making sure we protect those spaces when we can, even when we've got the ball, almost being aware. I, those of you that watched the um, the episode that I did with Jamal Fifield the other week uh, will remember him saying something very specific, like what's good about this Arsenal team is they are ready to defend even when they've got the ball, like in terms of their positioning, what happens when a move breaks down. That's even more key against this Spurs side, a Spurs side who are very effective on the transition than it would be any other week. So yeah, got to um got to uh got to be aware of that for sure. Uh Robbie says uh stateside Guna and huge fan of the club and now your show Harry. Thank you so much mate. He says part of me wonders whether Conte brings his back line a bit higher up to connect with Kane Son I think he he I think he runs the risk if he doesn't of being suffocated. Because what will happen is if you sit right on the edge of your box, this is what Arsenal are really good at, right? They're almost like what's that? They're like a boa constrictor snake. Like you know, if you think about what they try and do, right? So let's use this diagram to kind of explain this. So if they don't move that back line up. OK, then what you end up with is Arsenal doing this. OK, you end up with Arsenal pushing as close to the halfway line as they possibly can. White and Tierney will step slightly in field. Partey will be just in front of the two centre-halves. The Spurs players have to be in their own half to be onside, obviously. And what ends up happening is the midfield can either get close to the forwards and try and support them, but then leave a gaping hole between themselves and the back line. Or they can drop and try and help the back line, but be totally disconnected with uh, with the front line. So what Spurs need to do is they need to make sure that there are connections. And if Arsenal are pressing very aggressively all the time, then they're going to struggle to, to progress the ball out and they're going to have to resort to going long. And Arsenal don't mind you doing that because they trust in the centre-backs that they have and the structure and the setup that they have and the covering uh, structure that they can deal with those situations. Do Spurs have the players to play around this press? I'm not sure. I think they've got lots of talent in the forward areas. 
I like Rodrigo Bentancourt as a player. At least I did like him before he joined Spurs. But under the pressure that I'm expecting them to be under, I think if they sit too deep, we are going to suffocate them. And I'd be shocked if Antonio Conte didn't push everything up 10, 15 yards just to try and keep that connection between his backline, midfield and forwards and not be literally playing with fire on the edge of their box every time they try and play out. Will they just look to go long all the time? Don't know. It's going to be interesting. Will they abandon playing out from the back? Maybe. Don't know. Uh, let's pick up a couple more of your questions. Uh, Acts Christian Church says, I know this is off topic to the North London derby, but who's a challenger for Partey? Disregard the cost of the lack of Champions League. Who would that player be? Um, it's really hard to say because, you know, Thomas Partey, when he's fit, when he's firing, he is elite, man. He is so good. Like he's of the highest caliber. Those players, they don't grow on trees. Like it's really hard to look around and go, yep, that's the guy. If we're talking about from the players that we were linked with, I kind of like the idea of Ruben Neves. Um, because I don't think, look, I, I think this idea of, you know, if you're going to be a deep midfielder, you have to be this big physical powerhouse. I think that's a, that's maybe slightly overrated. I think that, yeah, it'd be great if you are that. But if you're not, as long as you can read the game well, as long as you're tough tackling, as long as you're good at progressing the ball, uh, reading, understanding and, and plugging those holes in between the lines that I keep talking about, I think you can do that job. And I think Ruben Neves is someone that I've liked for a while because I think he can do that defensive side, but he can also bring you a lot of creativity. He's got one hell of a long range shot on him as well. So he would be a player that I'd consider, but I haven't really sat and thought about it, to be honest. Like, at the end of the day, Lokonga's the guy now. Lokonga's the one that will back up Thomas Partey when he's not available. And, you know, I thought barring one or two moments at Old Trafford, he did a really, really good job. He's still learning. The team in general were a little bit naive there. He was naive as well. But I'm not writing Lokonga off at this point. I do worry about... Um, uh, about Thomas Partey's fitness. I do worry about his injury record. It does not make good reading at all. Just hope he's fit tomorrow. Hope he can stay fit for as long as possible. Obviously, there's the World Cup this season as well, which could throw a potential spanner in the works for a lot of clubs. So, yeah, let's see. Uh, Chris Bryce says, look, everybody has injury concerns, not just Arsenal. I'm sick of this doomsday attitude. Yeah, I agree with that. Everybody has them, but when you follow Arsenal, you're going to be worried about Arsenal's ones, right? You're going to pay more attention to those. Somebody tweeted something yesterday, which I retweeted, saying I'm, I've spent the whole week worrying about Thomas Partey's knee. It's exactly how I feel because he's so important to us. He is so, so important to us. Um, and uh, and we've got to try and keep him fit as much as possible because, you know, as I've said before, I think we're 20% better with him in the side. As much as that, that's a lot for an individual, for one player. But I really do think he makes that much difference. Uh, Abdi says, what do you think about Fofana from Monaco looks top? i got to be honest, mate. I haven't seen an awful lot of him to be able to kind of give you uh, a really sort of informed opinion on that. But certainly someone that if his name is linked, I, I will obviously look into. But at this moment in time, I'd be lying if I told you that I know loads about him. I've heard good things, positive things, read a couple of pieces uh, that seem to show him in a very positive light. But could I say hand on heart that he'll be the right man? I'm not sure yet. I just, that would be a little bit premature given my sort of lack of knowledge around him. But yeah, okay. So North London Derby coming up less than 24 hours time. This is the last time I'm going to speak to you before 
the North London Derby. I'll be talking to you. Uh, I'll be talking to our members on the Another Slice platform shortly after the game, after its conclusion. As soon as I get away from the stadium, uh, I will do a, a nice piece that we can throw on there for our members. So if you haven't joined up and you want to join up, you want access to exclusive content, you want to support the Chronicles of Aguna, support me, but also Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. The instructions are in the description below. We'd love to have you. Thank you for your continued support. And we'll be back tomorrow, hopefully with a smile on our faces, post the latest North London derby. All the best, guys. Take care. Cheers. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.